0: You are listening to a message by Pastor David Guzik for Enduring Word. For more information about our ministry, please visit EnduringWord.com.
1: I'm on the shores of the beautiful Jelmaaren Lake. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Here in the middle of Sweden, we're a little bit more than an hour west of Stockholm right now. And I am here for a conference. It is a really wonderful conference that we've had year after year after year for more than 20 years. We've been getting together with some people with the church association, uh, Calvary Chapel that I've been associated with for more than 40 years now. And we come together here, uh, the Calvary Chapel folks in Scandinavia. and We have such a wonderful time of coming together for fellowship, for the word, for prayer, for fun, for encouraging one another. And so here we are on the shores of a huge lake in Sweden, Jelmaren Lake. And uh, it's wonderful to be here at a campground that we've been meeting here for the last several years, although the last two years, we haven't been able to gather. Uh, So no gathering in 2020, no gathering in 2021. We had a virtual online gathering. In 2021, But man, it sure feels good to be back here with my brothers and sisters. Let me see if I can give you a little shot of the sun as it's going down here. There it is. Beautiful there, off in the lake. And actually, uh, I was teaching this evening for the evening meeting at our conference. We're going through a series on the life of Joseph, and I'm just enjoying that immensely. Uh, so I taught this evening and I'll be teaching the next two tomorrow evenings. Uh, if you're interested in tuning in, we are, uh, the, the, the uh, services for this conference, the main sessions are being broadcast out on the YouTube channel for Calvary Chapel Turku, uh, Finland. T-U-K-U, uh, no, T-U-R-K-U, Turku in Finnish, So check that out if you'd like to take a look at our sessions from that we've already had or that we will be having in the future. But hey, um, what a beautiful place, isn't this? I just love being here and I love it. Being a Californian as I am, it is nine o'clock at night and the sun is still up and it's just beautiful out here in Sweden. So anyway, good evening to everybody. Welcome to our YouTube live here. I don't really have a lead question today. We're going to try to get right into your questions as you submit them, and I'm looking forward to that, but I will say this, that I do hope to be joined by some guests a little bit later on, just some of the pastors, some of my Christian friends here uh, from Scandinavia. We've got people here from Sweden, of course, because we're in Sweden, from Finland, from Norway, from Denmark, from Germany. Uh, It's wonderful to get together with these folks who... Many of them I've known for many, many years. Some of them are new friends. I had a very wonderful time this afternoon uh, speaking to some people who have come here from Norway, and it's just been a wonderful time getting to know them. So again, I want to welcome you. I'm glad you can join us. I do hope that things are going out okay. It's a little bit iffy, hoping that we have a good cell signal. I'm going to trust my moderators to let us know if everything's coming through well with the video and the audio of this, but I tell you, I'm at a very uh, wonderful place to be. I wish you could be here with me uh, because it's a great conference in a beautiful setting. Come on. There's nothing like this in California. Well, there are some places, but not many. Okay, our first question today comes from uh, Trypsimi. I do hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Listen, one of the things I love about our Q&A is what an international audience that we have. And I don't know if you've been able to tell, uh, but man, I love what God is doing all over the world. Uh, I was born and raised in America, in California, uh, but I've got such a heart and such an affection for what God is doing all over the world. Heather Warren, thank you for letting me know that the perfect... Audio and video is coming through to the air in California. And thank you to our mods for for making that clear. Okay, but anyway, uh, I just want to say, uh, I'm so pleased that people with names that for me are difficult to pronounce. I know the name isn't difficult for you, but for me, it's difficult. I'm so pleased that you write in because it reminds me of such a wonderful international audience that we have. Okay, so from Haripsimi, I asked this question. I'm a special needs mom with a seven-year-old son with autism. Do you have any scripture references for health and strength for me as I got viral meningitis last month, mostly from stress? Well, Hrypsimi, before I speak to your question, I wanna pray for you, because uh, I'm very touched by the work that you do, the service you do unto the Lord. And I'll speak to you in just a moment. But Heripsomy, and again, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing your name correctly. I want to pray for you first. So maybe our viewing audience, you can join in prayer with me for Heripsomy and uh, her question. Um, Father, uh, we pray for Heripsomy, the special needs mom. Lord, um, she's stressed. She feels the great pressure of the many obligations that she feels. Uh, any mom of young children feels very pressed, but Lord, she has particular reason to feel so because of the special needs status of her son. And so, Father, I pray that you'd bring her blessing and grace and your goodness. Do it in the name of Jesus, Father, and bring your power and your grace. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now let me speak to you typically about your situation there, Hrypsomee. I would immediately speak to you about what Jesus said about how somebody who gives one of his little ones a cup of cold water in his name, how that would not be forgotten. And that's what I want you to see. This is the the strength, the encouragement I want you to have. The service that you give unto your son, your special needs son, it's very easy for you to feel forgotten in that work. Because to be honest, there's probably nobody who sees the depth of the service, the, the the pressing of the weight that you bear. It's probably something that only you are vitally aware of. Nobody knows the extent of it except the Lord. And he sees it. And just like Jesus said, that even somebody who gives a cup of cold water will not be uh, forgotten if it's done in his name. I want you to know that the sacrificial service that you take, uh, that you give to your son and to your family, God sees it, he's there to strengthen you, he's there to bless you, to encourage you. And I also wanna tell you this, rips me, don't be afraid to take a break when you need to. I know that it's probably difficult for you to take a break, maybe to find other people to help out or to pitch in, But when you have the opportunity to take a break, please, please do not feel guilty about it. God has ordained a Sabbath and God has ordained seasons of rest for you as well. I know there's a sense that especially moms feel like their job is constant and there's never a break from it. And I understand in some sense, that's true. But in your particular situation, I want to encourage you that when God opens up the door and gives you an opportunity to take a rest, don't feel bad about it at all, but take that rest and be encouraged. Even the smallest service you do unto the Lord's little ones in the name of Jesus, that is not forgotten and it will be rewarded by the Lord. So thank you for that. And God bless you. Let me go on to the next question from Raylon. Raylon asked this question. Is Judas Iscariot predestined in hell? Um, Well, first of all, Raylan, I would say with great confidence, Judas Iscariot is on his way to hell. There's no doubt about that. Um, He is not saved. He will not be saved. Uh, Some people speculate that maybe Judas repented at the last moment. Uh, Maybe there was some sort of, you know, contrition on his part, regret. The Bible gives us no evidence of that. And what I especially want to let you know is that the Bible says that Judas Jesus gave him a very curious title. Jesus called Judas the son of perdition. Uh, Now, first of all, let me explain to you what perdition is. Perdition is destruction. It's to be completely destroyed by something. But I also want you to know, to be the son of something in Hebraic culture, in Hebraic phrasing, meant that you were completely characterized by that thing. And so for him to be the son of perdition means that he was the one absolutely appointed to destruction. And so he bears that destruction. Now, was he predestined to that? Well, again, as as much as anybody is predestined for such a thing, um, but God did not make Judas do those things. Not at all. He chose those out of his own will. And so there's no guilt, of course, or blame or responsibility on God's part for Judas's destruction. All of that rests upon Judas himself. But he does have that unique and significant title, the son of perdition. Okay, uh, before I go on to the next question, I do wanna spin the camera on, show you the sun as it's setting once more. Oh, there it is, come on, that's beautiful. You gotta admit, that's just gorgeous. So I don't have it in the normal shot right behind me because it might be too distracting. But you can see the sun shining off of my face just as it's beginning to set in its glory. And um, I don't know. Uh, my friend Daniel is over here. Daniel is a pastor from Calvary Chapel in Denmark. Daniel, are, are Scandinavians kind of amused by how Californians like I think Scandinavia is so beautiful? It, it, it must seem a little strange for you, doesn't it? I mean, you guys live with us all the time. So. Not That's true. That's true. Daniel, come on over here. Sit beside me. Have a seat. I want to introduce everybody to you or introduce you to everybody. This is my longtime friend, Daniel Jacobson. And uh, say hi to everybody, Daniel. Hello, everyone. Tell them where you're from and what you're doing.
2: I'm from Denmark and about 30 minutes outside of Copenhagen in a smaller town called Hilo it's a difficult one to pronounce, right? Or at least to uh, pronounce danger. I would
1: say Hilarud. Yeah. But that's really not how you pronounce it. I would, would pronounce say it. Hilo-ud.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, so where I pastor a small church there that's uh, right. that we've been at for
1: many years now. 15
2: years. Yes. Yeah, 50, it's yes. 15 years since we started as a small yes. Bible study. Yeah.
1: And how long have you and I, I mean, from the very first conferences here, not the very first ones, but ver- pretty soon.
2: The very, the second one. Second one. Second one. Yeah. yeah that was a interesting story how we met there. <laughs> I came with my dad. I was 19 years old, and yeah. uh, I was going to Bible college a few weeks later. And uh, we were up by, uh, when I came to California, there Was that Harvest Crusade there. Yes. And, uh. By the providence of God, I was three rows in front of you. We just met a few weeks before. and uh, So <laughs> again, and I was amazing? Yeah, 20-year-long friendship now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It is. It yeah. is. So wonderful. Okay, so Daniel, we've got questions coming in. Here's a question from Anna Hui, who asked this question. Uh, from Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Is Jesus saying that Father God will strike his son Jesus? Then Jesus said to them, this night, all of you will have your faith in me shaken. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be dispersed. But after I've been raised up, I shall go before you to Galilee. So there, when uh, it's quoting an Old Testament passage there, I forget which particular, isn't it Zechariah or something? I'm, I'm just guessing.
2: Probably. But
1: in, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is quoting that. And when he's quoting this passage, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. I guess Anahu's question is, who is it that's doing the striking in this? And my guess, I, I see how you feel about this. My guess is that really what it's speaking about is since God is giving the prophecy, in speaking in the first person, God is saying, I'm behind all this. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, God the Father did not come down, nor did he send an angel down to arrest Jesus. He allowed it to all happen through the agency of man. But God was behind all these events that would culminate in the crucifixion of Jesus and the accomplishment of our redemption. Uh, so, yeah, there's definitely a sense in which we can say that I will strike the shepherd. It's speaking of God, the father's participation in that. I mean, does that kind of track along with how you would see it?
2: Definitely. And uh, also that the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus. And or yes. Jesus says, take this cup away from me, uh, goes right along those lines uh, as well. as That he became sin for yes. us in order that we might become uh, the righteousness in him. So, yeah, certainly.
1: You know, you have in the whole scenario around the uh, arrest, the trials, the uh, beatings, and eventually the crucifixion of Jesus, you have this remarkable mingling of the preordained plan of God and the will of man. Um, God didn't force anybody to do anything, God didn't force Judas to betray him, God didn't force those. Officers to arrest Jesus. Uh, you know, we could go on and on with each character throughout the whole drama. Yet God um, uh, arranged it so that these men, acting in the in in their own choices, uh, the exercise of their own will, uh, actually ended up. Uh, fulfilling God's plan perfectly through his guidance. So,
2: and doesn't that go uh, well along with what we're teaching at this conference about the yes. life of Joseph? Yes, exactly the same. I mean, the butler and the baker, as you were just teaching tonight,
1: we just talked about yeah, that, didn't we?
2: We did, and uh, I sure like teaching on that passage. And they were there, yes, that was how God, uh, God wanted it to be. Yeah,
1: yeah, The the butler and the baker in Genesis chapter 40 there, it would be easy for them to see that it was just the workings of Pharaoh's court that brought them there, but it wasn't. It was ultimately the plan of God. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's go on to another question here from Barry. Barry asked this question. Uh, Regarding the parable of the soils, how can a person prepare themselves to be good soil? Uh, you know, I like that question, Daniel. Think about this. You, you, of course, you're, you're familiar with the parable of the soils. I'll just kind of go over it quickly for the sake of our audience. Jesus told a very important parable about uh, a man casting seed and the seed fell on different kinds of soils and what grew up and the health of what grew up depended on what kind of soil that it was cast on. It wasn't the seed that was different, it was the soil that was different. So this is an interesting question, is that, um, is this parable given in a fatalistic sense? As if we would say, well, you're the stony ground, too bad. Sorry to be you, you know? Or, 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 or is there a sense that um, Jesus is speaking, maybe in an indirect sense, but, hey, we, we, can, um, we can cultivate our own hearts to be more receptive to the word of God? What do you think about that?
2: <laughs> now, of course, he doesn't
1: say those words in the parable, no, does he?
2: No, no, but no. But do you think no. that's a
1: legitimate conclusion to draw? Or, or is it just kind of Jesus saying, hey, this is how it is, and there's no changing it?
2: I definitely think that by reading the Bible, by attending church, there might be some, some pre-work that's done yeah. in your heart. And, and that would always be where I would go. Um, with the forordination and predestination, and I'm sure you get plenty of questions about that.
1: Sure, of course. Yeah, uh,
2: Whether it goes along those lines or not, I think you should answer that one.
1: Well, again, no, but I, I would just yeah. say that um, whenever we have in the Bible a description of somebody's sinful condition, it is an inherent invitation to them for repentance. Exactly. Uh, and so, no, I, I, I see that. And so how can a person prepare themselves to be good soil? Well, I would say seek after God. And repent, repent, repent. seek yeah. after his word, repent of your sins. Yeah. These are things that can cultivate uh, our hearts for the work of God. Uh, I, I like that. Okay, here's a question here, Daniel, uh, from a messenger asked this question. Uh, what are your thoughts on the teaching going around saying that born again, spirit-filled Christians need demons
2: cast out of them? They're wrong.
1: What wow! Do you, do, you,
2: do you want to be any more subtle about this? I, 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 no, I don't. It, well, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. That's Rom, right. Romans nine, uh, eight, chapter eight, verse nine. You have the Holy Spirit living within you.
1: Matter of fact, the Bible says that if you don't have the Spirit, exactly, of God, that's you what you it says in that, in that verse. Yeah, that's that, right. That
2: very word. Verse. I mean, that's that's pretty clear. Yeah, right there. that's very clear, and. What fellowship does darkness have with light is yeah. 2 Corinthians 5. So, no, I do not believe that a born-again or a Christian can be demon-possessed at the same time. I do believe, though, and I'm sure you Please. agree with this, that we can be influenced by demons and that they can hassle us and harass us. And
1: So maybe what we're talking about here is a distinction between be- being demon-harassed mm-hmm. and demon-controlled. Exactly. So a believer can't be demon controlled, um, but they can be harassed. Exactly. Now, I, I, I like this is that an, another way to explain it is James says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what James says. Well, I, I just think that's a promise for the believer. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what James says. Well, I, I just think that's a promise for the believer. If we submit ourselves to God and resist the devil, he will flee from us. I don't know if you could say that to a demon-possessed person. I don't know if you could just go up to the gathering demoniac and say, hey, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. There there seems to be a different dynamic to that particular situation. However, I I think that there can be definitely an aspect of spiritual warfare where if I'm feeling very troubled or attacked, I might say, Daniel, would you please pray with me and help me to resist the devil?
2: Exactly. Let's let's do and, it together. You and, know what I mean? And, and and I mean we should be yes. serious about this. This is serious. The yes. devil's real and yes. And we definitely think that he's trying to attack us and he right. want to get rid of us and right. if he cuts our inner connection now we know why. <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
1: I've heard the signal's coming through great. That's what okay. They tell that's me like, that's okay, that's good. That's good. Yes, yes. That's good. Yeah. yeah. You know, here I am doing this from my phone here on a lake, shores of a lake in Sweden, and we get a great connection, and I'm there in my office back in California, and we have repeated problems and suffering, so anyway, I should just do it from here all the time. Yeah, you should. that would be nice. Okay, great. Good background. Good. It is a great background. Okay, next question comes from Junebug, who asks, what are your thoughts on one of the psalmists expressing his hatred towards those who hate or rebel against God? Okay, you, you know those psalms, right?
2: Imprecatory. I
1: hate them with the perfect hatred. Wait, you just used a word there. Come on, say it nice and loud for everybody.
2: Imprecatory.
1: Imprecatory yeah. psalms. I don't even know what it means. You know, I don't know word. if I can tell you exactly what <laughs> imprecatory means, but it means like bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like nasty, challenging, calling down curses oh, psalms. Yeah. Um. Well, look, y- you want to know, Um. F- hey, first of all, if it's in the word of God, it's in the word of God. Exactly. So yeah. if he's expressing hatred towards those who hate or rebel against, if he's calling down curses upon them, I, I should have this memorized, but I don't the chapter and verse. But one of the ones that amuses me almost the most is the one where he says, I feel bad for saying this amuses me, where he says, Lord, break their teeth in their mouth. <laughs> That's rough stuff.
2: Yeah, it is. I I wouldn't want to have my
1: teeth broken in my mouth.
2: It really is rough stuff.
1: Okay, but look, I I think one of the key things to do is not only does it express God's holiness and God's hatred of sin, which is a legitimate thing to discuss, but please notice what the psalmist is doing. He's taking this heart, this feeling, and this this hatred of sin, and he's leaving it before God. In other words, he's not going to break the sinner's teeth in his mouth with a club, he's going to say, Lord, you do it. So in this sense, he's legitimately turning it over to God, which is the right thing to do. If, if you feel violent towards somebody, don't commit violence against them. I'm not talking about self-defense or something. I'm talking about no, no. in anger. If in anger, you feel violent towards somebody, uh, take it before the Lord in prayer. Leave it with God in prayer, just like those imprecatory Psalms. I think that's really the right way to do it.
2: Doesn't the Bible say vengeance is mine? I will repay. Yes. Yeah. And
1: either we have real confidence in that or we don't.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So
1: we're getting just a little bit of an audience here, aren't we, Dan? A little bit. That's yeah. right. A little bit. A little bit. I guess the session's over now. I guess That's, so. that's, that's right. So, oh, isn't this nice? We even got refreshments for some of our, our audience <laughs> here. All right, great. Uh, you know, worship was still going on when I started this. I wonder if our listeners could hear it. That, I don't know. They might have been able to hear in the background. I don't know about the nature of this microphone. Okay, the question? Sure. Feeling good about this? Sure. Okay, uh, Rock asked this question. Should a person struggling with a habitual sin be serving or leading in church? You mind if I give my perspective on that and see if you add to it? Go ahead. Okay, Rock, that's a great question. But really, there's a lot bound up in what you talk about struggling with. Um... Every person who wants to walk after God is going to struggle with sin. Uh, I'm oftentimes more concerned uh, if a person really continues the struggle and doesn't surrender to sin. I'm almost, I saw on the screen, Nils just contributed a question.
2: Nils Lothrop.
1: Really? Yeah. He did. It's not on there, but it came up on that screen. Okay. I One of how. our attenders at the conference here, he could have just walked up and yeah. given us the question, but uh-huh. no, he submitted it. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but no, Rock, what I want to get to is just this simple idea that, um, but there comes a place where a person may be so under the power of a particular sin that really they should step away from some kind of service or ministry until that that can be resolved and put on a different footing. But when you just use the phrase, struggle with a habitual sin, I, I would kinda wanna know the nature of the struggle. So I, I would take a very pastoral approach to this. And I don't know if there's any one easy or hard and fast line that we can draw, but there is a point that is sometimes hard to define where basically you have to say, no, um, Sin is getting the better of you in this. Let's draw back and give attention to what God wants to do in your life. And um, maybe, maybe leave ministry to the side for, for a time. Um, I, I think that's often the best approach. There, there, there's no one size fits all, but this is a very pastoral approach that I think needs to be taken with this. You got any thoughts on that, Daniel?
2: Well, you got to ask yourself the question, if you're living in sin, are you really a Christian? Um, that's, that's the first question that you got to ask. Well, And, and that, that and, really gets back and, to the
1: question of habitual there. Habitual. That, that, exactly. That, that's, yeah.
2: that's, that's what caught yeah. me. And, um, and of course, if, if you are, and, and then why do you keep saying it, sending with, yeah. uh, so, but, but I agree. It's a case by case. That's right. That's yeah. right. It,
1: it, in some sense, um, I rock, if you, if, if uh, somebody came to me in the situation described, I, I would want to sit down with them and learn a lot more about their situation, the history of it, where they're at, uh, perhaps what their ministry position is. And, uh, and maybe, maybe it would be time for them to take a break. Maybe it would be time for them to reconsider. And, and look, honestly, I know this is a difficult thing to say as well, but just as Daniel suggested, it's not out of the question to say, hey, listen, are you really born again? Exactly. Um, we can't ignore such things. I know they're unpleasant to talk about, and there's almost like this unwritten rule among Christians that we're never supposed to ever question the salvation of, of another believer. And of course, we want to be very careful with that. But, but um, there is something that if a person can habitually... Daniel, this is the formulation I've used sometimes. Let me run this by you and see what you think. I say a true Christian can't be comfortable in habitual sin. Exactly. Now they, they might be in habitual sin, but they'll be tormented in their conscience or, or they won't be in habitual sin at all. But a true born again person cannot be comfortable in habitual sin. Exactly. And if you are, that's a real warning
2: sign. I love what Martin Lloyd-Jones says on this. That yeah. He, he keeps emphasizing that, that all of us are gonna sin. Yes. But it's just like you say, it's how do we feel about that yeah. sin? Yeah. Because if we love the sin, if we don't care, but if we hate it, yes. if we say, wretched man that I am, that yeah. I keep doing this, then it, that's actually a good sign. That's right. That's a good, a good sign. That yes, it is. That you yes. Might, that you might <laughs> actually be a Christian. That's
1: <laughs> a sign of assurance. It is. Yeah, not of doubt. It, is. it sure. is. Yeah. Okay, Danny, I got to move the camera once okay. more. I, I got to show everybody this sunset over here. Can they see it? Anything? It's white. Yeah, that is. There it is, is beautiful. It is beautiful. You should be here it's next year. Next year, that's right. <laughs> Just like the, they'd say next year in Jerusalem. <laughs> next, next year in
2: Yarmagarden. Yal- Yarmagarden, Yal- 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 Mag- Yal- Mag- yeah. 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 That's right.
1: Okay. okay, next question there from um, Addicted to Peace. Ask the question Is Jesus and God the same? Depends on how we define God. Okay, well, elaborate on this. Okay, elaborate on this. Um Daniel, you're gonna have to start coming on every week. Yeah, well it's gonna be expensive in right.
2: plane tickets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are okay. Jesus and God the same? Is Jesus and God the same? Usually when we use the word or the term God, most of us think of God the Father.
1: And is that common in a biblical usage? Often, are you saying often, let's say in the New Testament. In the New Testament. Not when they use it when in the New Testament it's it's speaking of God in the person of God the father.
2: Yes, Okay. Uh, I, I would say it is. Okay. Would, would, would you agree on that? I would say
1: mostly. Mostly. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that yeah. off the top of my yeah. head, but yeah, that's kind well, of a
2: quick... Well, he says that my God and my Lord, or my Lord Thomas says that, but... yeah.
1: sure. Yeah, but, certainly not every but, but, but place. There, but there are yes.
2: instances where it's different. So is Jesus and God the same? Well, Jesus and the Father is definitely not the same. They're right. different.
1: The Father and the Son are different father persons.
2: Yes, exactly. Are they both God? They're both God.
1: Are they both God, so to speak, on the same level? They certainly are. Okay, so God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all God. All God. But they're not each other. Exactly. Okay,
2: okay. And the way I look at it, and I think it's the way it's been looked at in church history is that God is one in essence. Yes. But three in person. Okay. Um, And essence and person, not the same category, right? And that's important to notice because, otherwise, it would be a contradiction, right? So we have one God, uh, because the Bible's clear. We it, there's one God. Deuteronomy six. That's right. Yeah.
1: Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one God. One God in three persons. Exactly. You know the way I sometimes explain it too is that one God has the name Yahweh. I, I, I kind of think of it in those terms, that Yahweh, right. as revealed in the Old Testament, is the triune God. Exactly. Yep. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all lay claim to being Yahweh, and they are, they are uh, the persons of the Godhead. Very good. I saw Edmund Coronel come over here. Would you mind if I switched out here? Not
2: at all. I thank see you. the next questions coming up. Oh, really? The next yeah. questions are tough. I haven't <laughs> oh, looked no. at <laughs> oh, Not the next one.
1: <laughs> Take care, David. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. You. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Hey, Daniel, come back. Tell people once more where to find your church. Can they find it online? They, they can online find it online. Presents?
2: Calvarychapel.dk.
1: Garychapel.dk. How Everything simple is it? in
2: Danish. So, That's right. uh, no, you have it in if, English. Well, well pretty if much. You speak, not much. If you speak Danish, it will help you, but okay, good. not so much in English. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. All right, come on over.
1: Edmund Cornell, Pastor Edmund Cornell. First of all, do you see that beautiful sunset over there? I c- couldn't take my eyes off of it. It's just Say hello to our audience.
0: Hey. So introduce yourself. Your name is Edmund Ruben Cornell. My dad's also Edmund Cornell. Is your dad Edmund Ruben Cornell? His name is Edmund Daniel Cornell. So you're not a junior. I'm not. I'm, my, How my, come I've uh, always thought of you as Edmund Junior? On my birth certificate, my name is Edmundo. Okay. And my dad's is not. Really? So, so like,
1: can I not. apologize <laughs> all these years for sometimes calling you Edmund Junior? That's all right. Because yeah, it just tough. because I knew his dad in ministry as well. So yeah, that's that's great. Uh, okay, so where do you pastor?
0: So I pastor uh, in Dusseldorf, Germany. That's right. Yeah. That's in the region called the Ruhrgebiet? The Ruhrgebiet in the Sorry. North Rhine, the state of Wonderful. NRV. How long have you been pastoring there? Uh, 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: And that's there in Dusseldorf. Mm-hmm.
0: You, you have done ministry elsewhere for a long time too. Yeah. We, we spent four years uh, helping my dad in the planting of up Chapel Hairborn. And before we came from a church plant in Ohio, Calvary Chapel, Mansfield, Ohio, with Pastor Brian Schatzinger. From there to Germany. But before that, we were in the early, early home church days of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills.
1: Okay, so wait a minute. So how long have you been? You've been in ministry more than 20 years, more than 25 years? Yeah. Uh, How old are you, man? What, did you start (laughs) ministering you're five years old? I just turned 48. Really? Uh, Man, you're a good-looking 48. Thank you so much. Man. It's the anointing. I, it bro. is the anointing. The anointing that I don't have. <laughs> Nobody says that about me. Okay. Anyway, so uh, people want to find your church, they can find it online?
0: Yeah. Uh, www.cc-minus. Uh, uh, That's how you say it in uh, German. Minus. minus or, we would say dash. Okay. CC-d-u-e-s-s-e-l-d-o-r-f. If they Google Calvary Chapel
1: Dusseldorf, they'll find it. Yeah, that's a long name. Okay, all right. So you ready to take a couple questions here? I'll do my best. All right. Well, let's we'll answer them together. Um, Okay, this is a question from Char. Char asks this question. In 2 Samuel 6, why didn't David know better beforehand about putting the Ark of the Covenant on a cart in the house of Abinadab, To where he was against God's instructions. How about that, Ed? How come uh, David didn't know better?
0: Um, I think he was. He could have known better. The kings were required to read the law of the Lord. That's right. They
1: were required to read the law of the Lord.
0: But... He certainly had the opportunity to know better. I think his zeal went before, right? Um, His excitement went before... Kind of just you know I mean others say you know they kind of he kind of did it how the world right the the they put it on the cart and he just said yes. okay it's on the cart it's convenient let's keep it on the cart and um, you know it, but th- I, I think he, he he had every opportunity to know maybe he just maybe it was just
1: uh, help me out here in Second Samuel chapter six does it say that it was a new cart I kind of have that vaguely in my mind yeah because doesn't it say that it was a new cart I believe so yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking up in a Hungarian Bible yeah. to tell us that it's a new cart. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So um, think about it. It's a new cart. So it's new. It's fresh. It's nice. You know, maybe kind of think it's like a limousine or a Rolls Royce or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so it could be neglect. It could be kind of fascination with technology and new things. It could just be overlooking
0: things. But sometimes, look, we do that, don't we? In ministry, we overlook. And this, you know, it's convenient, right? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of shortcuts that people can take. But there's, you know, it's been said there's no shortcuts to holiness. Yeah. You know, there's just, you got to do things God's way. Not just, you know, get things done. But you got to do them the way the Lord tells you to do them. So the opposite of that is sort of a pragmatic
1: attitude. Isn't that the term we use for yeah. it? pragmatic? Yeah. Just to as say, as, it gets as long as it works, it must be good. Yeah. But we're not to operate that way in God's kingdom, are we? Oh. No. 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 That's good. All right. Yeah. All right Char, I think you got that. I mean, there's no specific reason. Look at that. They put up in the comments there, uh, oh, the, hey. your website right there. Isn't that great? Perfect. You can check out Pastor Edmund's <laughs> teaching right there. Uh, so anyway, um, that was from Devin, our moderator. Oh, cool. See, so peop- this is how it works. People type in their questions and then Devin selects them and forwards them to me okay. in these text messages. Oh, awesome. So we're reading the text messages from Devin. Nice. Thanks, so Devin. Say hi to you. De- yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Devin. <laughs> okay. So thank you for that question, Char. Th- there's no specific reason given, but it could have been neglect. It could have been fascination with something new. It could have been just overlooking. There's no specific reason. Given. We can kind of think of several reasons. Okay, next question comes from Mary. Mary, that's the screen name there. The burning coals mentioned in Romans 12, 20. Remember that passage? Yes. <laughs> I'll read it to you. Yeah. Uh, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Here's Mary Mary's question. Those coals of fire, is that a good thing or a bad thing? If you're heaping coals of fire on your uh does it say your neighbor's head? Your enemy's your enemy, head. Yeah. Your enemy's head. Uh, are you helping them or hurting them in the way Paul's thinking of that there in Romans?
0: Yeah. Come on, I, I what mean, do you think? Yeah. Obviously in the, in the, in the teachings of Jesus, in the spirit of Christ, there, there, there's just no way that it can be, you know, we're, we're going to take coals of fire and And, you know, hurt our enemies. Because he follows it up with talking about not returning evil for evil, right? And so we have to interpret it with the rest of the the text and understand, right? That's... uh,
1: Okay, so you're saying, hey, that's a good thing that he's speaking about there. Those uh, coals of fire, right? I think so. Okay, you know what I'm looking (laughs) for here? I'm a little embarrassed that I don't have it right at hand. I'm looking for my commentary. Um, You know, I have an app... Enduring word. <laughs> How come I can't find the, uh, the app for my commentary right here? It's, there it is, right there. I, I just was missing it there. Let, let's go to my commentary on, talk while I'm looking okay. up my commentary here on Romans. Uh, you see how nice, have you seen my commentary update? I, you know what, it's interesting. It is fantastic. It's not updating so, on my
0: phone for some reason. Well, that's I'll, a big problem with I your know, phone, I, I gotta know. say. I, Look,
1: I'm just increasing the font size right there. It's so good. Let <laughs> me see what I say this about uh, verse 20 here in my commentary. Um, is the heaping of coals of fire on the head something good in the eyes of our enemy? Or is it something bad? Mm. Here's what I say. It most likely refers to a burning conviction that our kindness places on our enemy or something people, think it refers to the practice of lending coals from a fire to help a neighbor start their own and appreciated act of kindness. Yeah, for, so you'd be uh, more along that line.
0: I, I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can see it and I think sometimes scripture right there's certain things that that the scripture tells us because it's it's so you know it's inspired by the spirit that it can you know it can be both it can be both yes it it, it it brings it's conviction. not a either or yeah. yes yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, it can really have both connotations I, at the same I, time I think I've I've seen that you know happen um you know where we're returning kindness for that for, for an evil deed or a, yes. a word said against you can really bring conviction and bring, uh, you know, that that kind of burning, like a conscience, like, uh, you know, and so.
1: Have you ever actually put a burning coal on somebody's head?
0: <laughs> In, uh, no. No. Okay, <laughs> no.
1: Okay, I just want to make sure of that. Okay, good. All right, great. Okay, here's a, here's another question from It's All About Nature TV. Regarding the 144 people who are chosen by God mentioned in the Bible during the tribulation after the rapture, who are they? Okay, well, first of all, was it 144 people?
0: No, it's 144,000 people. Okay, people. that's Ooh. right. And, you know, the scriptures. mentioned, what yeah. is it in
1: Revelation? Isn't it 7, 7 and 14, 14 isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So who, who are they?
0: Well, I mean, the Bible, you know, tells us pretty clearly if we take it you know, literally, um, it says that they're uh, they're people that are taken out of the, the various tribes of Israel, and uh, he tells us that you know we're to, they're to seal. Uh, you know, what does it say? Uh, verse four. Twelve thousand from Judah, Reuben, Gad. It goes down yeah. the line.
1: Yeah, and I heard the number of those who were sealed: one hundred forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, th- there's some people who say, well, it's not really talking about tribes of the children of Israel. Yeah. W- what would you say?
0: I, I mean, uh, when the scripture says that it's the tribes of the children of Israel, I'm going to take it, uh, if, if, if there's reason to believe, you know, that that it's not if it says they were like the tribe the children of the tribe it doesn't say like does it it, no it just it's it's pretty plain and so when you're reading scripture you you take the plain uh meaning uh for what it is unless you have reason that the scripture gives you to to take it otherwise
1: okay so it's even given specific tribal designations there yeah i've always thought it interesting that these people may not even know what tribal designation they are. Mm-hmm. I think most Jewish people today on the earth wouldn't know. There's a few probably, especially of priestly tribes. Yeah. Um, but most Jewish people wouldn't know, but that's okay. God knows. Yeah. <laughs> it means, you know, it means that this is known to God, mm-hmm. not necessarily to man. Uh, I even have a section on there. Who are these
0: 144,000?
1: You could go to my commentary on Revelation chapter 7,
0: where I deal very specifically with that question. Yeah, Been a- So much confusion. So many people have claimed to be, you know, that group of people. Didn't
1: the Jehovah's Witnesses claim, okay, in the early days of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, the Jehovah's Witnesses said that their followers were the 144,000. But then something happened. Yeah. over the years there were more there were than 144,000 jehovah's witnesses so what do you do with that then yeah. well then they changed it to where 144,000 were a special class of believers who go to heaven
0: yeah
1: and everybody else just has the promise of the millennial but earth meant, yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah.
1: yeah so good okay anything else about that or are you good with that question No, yeah I okay think, i mean i think it's pretty
0: straightforward <laughs> All right.
1: All right do you like doing this is this pleasant <laughs> yeah, to you yeah it's, i mean
0: it is it is Yeah, I do it every uh, week. I know. So you're, you know, you've seen the the, the tough ones come through. Well, I don't know. Yeah, sure.
1: Okay. Joanne asks this question. Ready for this one? My daughter has become an intuitive guide using angel tarot cards and says she has a spirit guide. She says she's still a Christian. Is this even possible?
0: Oh, what, what what she's doing is is very unchristian yes i wouldn't want I wouldn't you know want to say you know is she a Christian or not but what she's doing is very unbiblical and uh
1: <laughs> if she is a Christian she's in a Christian in serious error yes and and perhaps deadly error yes. spiritually speaking so it, it's very important that she stops these things. Absolutely. Now, jo- Joanne, look, I mean, this is your daughter. I, I assume she's an adult And this. You know, we're not saying that you make her stop. You, I'm kind of assuming that you don't have that kind of place or authority over her. So we're not implying that. We're just saying that what she is doing is completely incompatible yes. with Christianity. And um, if, if this is just a brief season of error in her life, Then perhaps it's not a judgment upon her Christianity, but it's a very serious error that she's in. And and I recommend Joanne that you pray for her, and maybe our audience pray for her as well. So.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, she. You would have to ask her what's her definition of of Christian. Yes. Right? Is that somebody who believes that Jesus is God, and if so, that He's Lord, and that His words are to be obeyed um because that'll solve a lot of these uh you know these things that she's doing you know it's important
1: for us to understand that Jesus isn't just one god added to other spiritual beliefs that we have yeah. he he commands an exclusive lordship over our life
0: absolutely and so
1: we're not just supposed to add Jesus to other things
0: and you know these things like uh you know ain't you know uh, summoning angels and tarot cards, um, and spirit guides. They are, um, you know, they're ways that people try to access information. Yes, um, and information is, um, you know, is power. Um, and so, uh, you know, th- we have the word of God that's been given to us and we have the revelation of God in his son, Jesus Christ. And so, um, you know, there's no greater revelation, there's no better way to know God and know the will of God, than God the Word and the Word yes, of God. Absolutely. I see your wife
1: right over there. Yeah. Would she like to come over and say hi? Do you I think, think she would. Yeah, would she? I think she would. Is, she's kind of shaking her head. No, I don't know if she <laughs> believes it or not. Is she gonna come on over? Come on over. Come on. Come on. Annie, come on. Just say hi to everybody. Yeah. They're dying to see you. Come on,
0: just <laughs> poke in your head I'm sure. right in
1: between us. Say, say hi.
0: Now their life is complete. Oh, how about this? Hi, <laughs> right.
1: say hi to everyone. Okay, great. Thank you for joining us. You're Do right. you want to sit in and answer a few questions? You just want to leave that to Edmund?
0: You guys are doing
1: Okay, great. great. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Okay, another question from Raylon, asks this question. Can you explain 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse three, are we higher than angels? Uh, First Corinthians chapter six, verse three says this, do you not know that we shall judge angels how much more the things that pertain to this life?
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that the Psalms tell us, right, and and Hebrews tells us concerning Jesus is that, you know, he's made man a little lower than the angels. Okay, so
1: you would regard that as present Present, tense right now.
0: The scriptures talk about us being a little lower than the angels. But then he, Bruce, he goes on to say, but we see Jesus crowned with glory yes. and power. So Jesus, right, he's, he's where we're headed. You know, we're never going to be God. We're never going to be equal to him. But we are going to rule and reign with him. In... So
1: in our resurrection, in what we sometimes call our glorified bodies. Yes. I'll say this. When our salvation is complete. Yeah. Because there's a sense in which our salvation is not yet complete. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't be complete until the resurrection. Yeah. But at that time, we will be higher than the angels. Yeah. And in some sense, we will judge angels, just as Paul That's speaks what, about yeah. there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Yeah. So how about it? What, what judgment would you give of an angel? <laughs> That's... Uh... That's amazing. Do you think an angels ever let you down, Edmund? <laughs>
0: um, I've Do you have hit. a
1: personal criticism yeah, of an angel? I've or? been
0: hit by several cars, and so I could have <laughs> used a, could have used a pullback, you know.
1: <laughs> That's right. So, so you might you might have some yeah. Uh, like, you might have some words for some angels there. Oh, Where, where that, are you? Yeah. Okay. So, it is a little unclear exactly what our judgment of angels entails. I would say the most commonly given answer is that it means that we will judge fallen yeah. angels, disobedient angels. We won't be doing what Edmund and I are joking about here, obviously, <laughs> you know, wagging our finger in the face of a guardian angel saying, Hey, yeah. I stubbed my toe that time, how come you didn't yeah. stop me? Yeah. But but most likely it's referring to the judgment of fallen angels. And in some way that we can't exactly figure out, we're gonna participate in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Paul uses that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 to sort of shame the, the Corinthian Christians for not being able to resolve things amongst themselves. Right. Yeah. They had
0: the word of God. Yeah. They had the spirit of God. Yeah. Right. They had elders or people that were appointed to serve and, and, and you know, do that. And it seemed like nobody took advantage of either of those things or right. any of those That's things. Right.
1: Hey, okay, you know what, Edmund, before we go on to the next oh, yeah. question, I, I just want to say, tell people where we're at. I mean, we're almost through the program here, and it was only at the very beginning that I told people where we're at.
0: Yeah, we're in Sweden at this
1: beautiful uh, Swedish uh, lake th- behind us. Yeah, hmm?
0: an amazing conference center uh, here. It's my first time, and yeah. I, I just look forward to the evenings because the sunset uh, after the fellowship, after being in the word and the worship, it's yeah. just, you know, it's just really, as Chuck's, Smith would say glorious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fantastic. And well, I'm really glad you and your
1: family have been able to come out for this. Yeah, Not all your family, a couple of your kids couldn't make it, yeah. but they're all grown up and doing their own thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, we're here at a conference center in the middle of Sweden, a little bit more than an hour uh, west of Stockholm. And, uh, wow, this is an annual conference that my wife, Inga and I, we come out to most every year. Uh but we haven't made it every single time, but we have been coming to this conference mostly on a few times off uh, over the last 20 years or so. so yeah. Anyway, yeah. what a blessing. Hasn't always been here at this conference center. We've had it at a few different places. Which, which place is preferred? I, I think this is probably the best place. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking to some of the old timers here. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, we, we'd say this is the best. Uh, I don't know, the best facilities and everything for us. It's very nice. Best sunset, best food, too, right? Yeah, that other place, we had a hard time getting meat.
0: (laughs) We had some Swedish meatballs that were so good today. Oh, really? Yeah, okay.
1: Uh, The other place we did was at a Seventh-day Adventist center, (laughs) and we really had to twist their arms (laughs) to get us some meat. And, uh, you know, and it wasn't that great even when they did. But nice people and all. I don't know. But, you know, I mean, we kind of, we feel the liberty in that area. (laughs) That's right. That's right. All right, couple more questions up here that I can see. One from Exalt Youth asks, any advice you can give for teaching the Song of Solomon to singles, young people, etc. Well, Admiral, what's your advice on that?
0: I'm not old enough. I- <laughs> hey, never, Daniel,
1: do you got any advice on this one? Uh, I can't
0: do it. no, don't do it, he says. <laughs> just put on chuck state, like just or C D. Hey,
1: listen, okay, let me get a little serious here. Uh, I have an audio and video, and of course a commentary through the Song of Solomon, and I, I think it's pretty good. I felt very rewarded going through and really taking a look at how it's a, you know, it, it's an amazing description of the beauty of marital love, love in marriage, including the sexual aspects of that, but certainly not restricted to that. And also, it does in many ways point towards the beautiful relationship between Jesus and his people. I don't think that that's the primary purpose of it, but it is an important secondary purpose of the Song of Solomon. I would really recommend, don't, don't be afraid to go. I'm pretty sure it's up on our YouTube channel. Mm. Um, our certainly at our website. Pardon me? Our daughter is watching. Okay. <laughs> uh, on the YouTube channel or website, do you know? I think on the website. Okay, I know you can get it from the website, which is enduringword.com I think it's probably on the YouTube channel as well, but I can't say for certain, but the written commentary as well. Um, I, I mean, I think that the way that I taught it would be appropriate for singles as well as marrieds. That was kind of my impression of it. But um, yeah, I, I think that the biblical truth of it is, um, transcends whether or not a person is married or not. And so it would be important for everybody as a part of the Word of God. But didn't yeah. the Jewish rabbis say something like, "If you shouldn't study the Song of Solomon unless you're married, or
0: like you're yeah. sixty years old, yeah. something so, like that." A, yeah. Okay. It was yeah right. something on thirty years. something. Anything other. more Maybe. you want to say about that one? No, I, I think it's yeah that's a great question, and I think uh, especially in the U.S., you know, there's there's so much uh, the pendulum swings, you know, one way you know, to, uh, you know, just sex is, is, is you know, taboo, don't talk about yeah. it, you know, and then the other side is that, you know, it's like every sermon is about sex and it's like, okay, you know, yes. and, uh, but, um, yeah, I think it's that's a great uh, thing to take your kids through, you know, and to, to take advantage good. of good, good commentary. Yeah. I hope it didn't affect your daughter in any
1: bad way. No, I thought it was good <laughs> teaching for her. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Donna asks a question. Uh, Will there be varying positions in heaven based on our faithfulness and obedience here on earth?
0: Hmm. I I know for sure, at least from the scriptures, that in the millennial kingdom...
1: Ah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was hoping you'd say that.
0: (laughs) That there's, uh, you know, we... From the parables of Jesus, uh, you know, he talks about it. Um, You know, I think that, you know, Paul... Uh, you know, talks about it as well. Um, and so, you know, the things that we do in this life, the, the the faithfulness that we, in which we serve the Lord with, you know, our time, our talents, our treasures, right? Those are going to have an effect on what positions and what uh, place we have in mm-hmm. the millennial kingdom. Um, in heaven, um you know, all, all I can think of is Daniel 12, right? Where it says uh, concerning those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars.
1: In yes. heaven. Well, and, and I will say this. The Bible does speak about service in heaven. It says this in Revelation. I couldn't tell you whether it's Revelation chapter 21 or 22, but in those chapters that describe heaven, it does say this and his servants shall serve him. So in some way, there's going to be service to do in heaven. But I I agree completely with Pastor Edmund here that we're not given a specific, the the specific thing of being given different duties or levels of responsibility comes from application to the millennial earth, not to heaven.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've seen, there's a a cult, I think, in Korea that takes uh, dangerous, you know, interpretation of this. And they've created a whole system where you can go to what they call, I think it's like a reader, and depending on how faithful you've been to church and how much you've given, how if you've kept their rules, they can lay their hands on you and tell you which position you're going to have in heaven. I've
1: never heard of this. And they
0: talk about, you know, these different stages of heaven, because Paul saw these, you know, the third heaven. Right, right. And they, you know, and so they kind of, you know, people are giving, serving, you know, uh, because, and then they can find out how far they're up in the chain. Right. And it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, they've, right. they've taken now, advantage you, you,
1: of you know what the deal is with the third heaven, right? Yeah. That when, when Paul writes about the third heaven, he's not talking about there's three different heavens or three levels of heavens. He, he's speaking in the, in the ancient conception, both in the Hebrew scriptures and the Greek scriptures, heaven could also be the word for sky, mm. which by the way, that's the same way in German, right? Yeah. It, 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 it's the same word for heaven and sky. So that same way in Finnish? same way in Finnish as well. Hungarian? No, not in Hungarian. Okay, well, <laughs> Hungarians got their own thing going on with language, but... Um, <laughs> so the the blue sky is the first heaven. Mm. The night sky is the second heaven. And the third heaven is... Where the heaven where God dwells. Okay. So when he says, I was caught up to the third heaven, he doesn't mean like the third level. Yeah. He just, not, no, the heaven where God lives. Yeah, yeah. Not the blue sky, not the night sky, but the heaven where God lives.
0: Yeah. yeah? yeah.
1: Cool. Well, I never heard anything about that Korean, yeah. Korean
0: people. Uh, it's, it's, wow. Yeah, and it's, Have you run
1: into some of those people in Dusseldorf?
0: Yeah. Wow. Man, I, I
1: hadn't heard of them yet. Okay, I think we got one more question. Ready for one more? Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Is medical treatment and witchcraft the same thing? Yes or no?
0: It depends of where you're living, right? If you're living out in in, uh, the jungle and you go to... A witch doctor. A witch doctor and they, you know, they pray to some spirit and they have you drink some potion. And, you know, then that could be the case. But um, to apply it to modern medicine and you know, in the West or whatever, um, I would say then, you know.
1: Yeah, there. it's kind of funny because in the ancient world and still some parts of the world today, there is very much a spiritual and maybe occultic aspect to medicine. But there is also a very definite scientific aspect to medicine. Hey, Luke, who wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else, by word count yeah
0: yeah
1: um he wrote more than he was a physician he was a doctor mm. so i mean obviously he had a scientific practice of medicine not an occultic spiritual one and this kind of comes to my mind in particular because we we're here in sweden and right now i mean this is uh, what uh, july 28th uh, so i have no idea when people will be listening to this later if they're not live with us right now but my dear mother-in-law my swedish mm. mother-in-law gunnel uh, she's in the hospital right now. And she's receiving good medical treatment and our prayers are for her. And I don't mind if any of you pray for her as well, you can remember her by name, Gunnel, to pray for her in the hospital. But um, we're grateful for the medical care that she's getting and that they're there to help her uh, in the midst of the, the pain that she's suffering and the things that her body's going through. Um, but th- there's no aspect at all in that regard to witchcraft. No. Uh, but in some times in history, and in some parts of the world today, there has been an association between that, but again, not necessarily.
0: Absolutely. I okay. mean, there are some obviously, you know, some uh, new age healers. Yes. There's this Reiki kind of stuff that yes. that calls on or seeks to, uh, you know, take yeah. power, energy, and then apply it to your body to heal it. And, yes. and that is, you know, that is, goes beyond, you know, medical treatment and that would be more akin yes. to witchcraft and I, I would over yes here
1: over here? yes you can yeah uh, there are some cute little girls <laughs> by just right now uh the the question here from the side is or the comment is perhaps they're referring to the the association between sorcery and pharmacia in mm-hmm. the new testament Um, again which is possible but that that sense was very much an abuse of drugs not not a legitimate use of it but there could be in some sense a bleed over with that so maybe that's another place where they're getting that association Hmm. she's pretty
0: good yeah man i'm I'm blessed brother
1: (laughs) yeah i know well praise the lord Okay, well, folks, I do appreciate your prayers for my mother-in-law. Thank you for those who said that you will pray and just lift her up again. I know that I'm doing this on a certain day and it's relevant for everybody who's listening to this live. I I don't know if it'll be relevant relevant if you're listening to it later, uh, you know, when she'll be done with this and all, but I, I do appreciate your prayers. And look, that's it. We've had our last question, Edmund. What a beautiful day here, isn't it?
0: absolutely so
1: what are we going to do next we're going to go get some fika
0: yes fika yeah.
1: is a word describing a swedish custom of coffee and a little bit of cookies and maybe a little bit of cake snacks kind of it's I think a the nice theme, name the
0: theme is popcorn
1: yeah popcorn yeah. i saw that there so we're going to enjoy some of that and we just want to say thank you today for joining us thank you for all your wonderful questions if you want some free bible resources go to the website enduringword.com thank you for your prayers something special for the program next Thursday. I won't tell you what it is. All I can say is you can come with your most difficult questions next Thursday, uh, but there will be something special for our program next Thursday. So that's it. Want to say bye to everybody? Awesome. Okay, great. God All bless right. you. Thank you. Blessings to
2: everybody. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a message by Pastor David Guzik for Enduring Word. For more information
0: about our ministry and how to grow in your relationship with Jesus, please visit EnduringWord.com.